Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Is your home a place of joy and peace? Or would you define your home as a place of anger and turmoil and frustration? You'll never defeat Satan's plan to destroy your home unless you abide by the principles of the Word of God. Venus and Mars, all the other books, great, whatever. Unless you abide by this, your marriage will never be healthy. You need God's help. Satan is clever. He prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting to devour. He's lurking around every corner, trying to attack us from all fronts. Now, don't allow that to scare you. It's just to inform you of the dangers that we often forget about. You see, Satan is even prowling about our homes. In today's message, Pastor Mark will share with us different ways that we can have victory over him in our homes. First of all, allow Jesus to be in your home. Allow his word to be spoken and his ways to be walked in. Secondly, as husbands and wives, commit to walking in the truth. Then as you do so, allow your children to see what that looks like. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. I'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 25, as he continues through our message entitled, The Battlefield of Life. Jesus, you can know about Jesus, you can believe Jesus, and then you're going to heaven. Wrong. You see, this demon knew Jesus, knew who he was, he knew his name, he knew who he was related to. When you ask a person, why are you going to heaven? Well, because I believe in Jesus. I believe in him. This demon believed in him. Is this demon going to heaven? Not a chance. So to go to heaven, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus as your own Savior. Religion will never free a man from the bondage of Satan. Every week they were sitting in religion. That day, Christianity came. A relationship with God. And Satan hated it. So he spoke out. He was trying to stop the powerful Word of God from going forth. He was going to verbally abuse Jesus. Is there any hope? Do you think it's strange that there's a demon-possessed man in church? Where else should they be? By the way, the church is a place for sinners. This is not a hotel for Christians. This is a hospital for sinners. Amen? You shouldn't feel uncomfortable. If in one of our services, one of these people come and screams out, we're trusting the power of God to free them. Don't go, I ain't going back to that church. There's sinners there. Well, what the heck do you think you are? You were here one day just like it, weren't you? So Jesus changed you. So it's a place to welcome sinners. It shouldn't be strange to us. That's why we're here and join people finding Jesus Christ. You know, some of you here today don't have a demon. 
but you're bound with alcohol, pornography, drugs. Some of you are bound with bitterness this morning. You're filled with it. You're not free. You need the freeing touch of Jesus, just like this man did. Is there any hope for you? Yes. Look at verse 25. Jesus said, be quiet. I love the term in the Greek, especially because of our Rottweiler joke. The term in the Greek means this, be muzzled. I love it. Be muzzled. In other words, shut up. That's what we'd say today. It's not in the Greek. It's in our everyday language. Jesus quieted the demon, but that wasn't enough. Look at his next words. And Jesus said Jesus sternly, come out of him. Jesus simply spoke the word in power. Shut up and come out of him. Now, stop and think a moment. You're in the service. The man is here. Jesus didn't say, okay, cameras, come up here. Some good's going to happen. Now get ready. Watch me now. Watch me. He didn't say to the man, oh, would you come up here? Because we want this to be in view of everybody. I'm going to give you now a seven-step formula how to get rid of. And I'm not trying to make fun. I'm trying to show you that the simple power of the word is enough. It should never draw man's attention to the one speaking the word. Most of our ministering to people is done in a prayer room. Why? Because number one, you don't need to see it. And number two, that doesn't bring anybody glory except Jesus. Be careful when everything is done as a show. Because people get used to the person being the power. I have zero power except what God uses through me. I'm just exactly like you. Paul said, I don't want you depending on me. So I come, not with my wisdom, not with my own special things, but I come in the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ. Your, your strength, your freedom can never be dependent upon some man. It must be on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's what it's about. So Jesus just simply says, be quiet. Come out of him. And the power of God always defeats the power of Satan. Now why do we struggle with it? Because often we're not spirit-filled. Remember, Jesus returned here. You can say whatever you like about spirit-filled. Jesus, it says, at the end of his 40 days, returned in the power of the Spirit. Why don't we see those kind of things today as much as we should? We're filled with more self than we are the power of God. They're still there, still available. The power is there for us. So look at here and you'll see the, the wonderful belief, what took place. It says in verse 26, the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him. Hallelujah. Verse 27, and the people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. And news about him quickly spread over the whole region of Galilee. Picture this. 
Jesus at the end of this says, I'm through teaching for the day. He walks to the back of the synagogue and he picks up this guy and the guy is normal and they just walk out of the synagogue together. Can you imagine? Man, you're here and you're going, oh, whoa, something happened here. And out they go and this guy is perfectly normal, delivered, freed. And you're sitting in the service going, okay, I need to think a little bit about what happened today. This is a little different than the normal service I've been to. I wrote down kind of what one person might be saying to another as they left. Listen, it's not in your Bible, it's my Bible. All right, you'll know that by the first word. Wow. What a service today. I've never seen anything like it before. This Jesus was different. There was no time for sleeping as I usually do. I could have stayed all day and listen to that teaching. His words, they were like directed right to me. They moved me. I knew they were true. And I realized God loved me. There is hope for me, for my family. As he spoke as, as if the, the light of God came into my dark being. Can you believe Nicholas? You know, the weird one that's been in our city. Man, who wanted to be around the dirty guy? Sometimes he was normal, other times he was just totally weird. Did you see Jesus walk out with him perfectly well? Power of God is real. I'm going to go tell my friends. That's what it would have been like. How do we defeat Satan? Look at the three things on the board quickly. Number one, teach all the Word of God. Number two, each believer is to listen, learn, obey, and live by the Word. Don't deceive yourself this morning. Even if you're in a church where the Word is taught, if you're not obeying the Word, James tells us you're deceiving yourself. Don't deceive yourself into believing you're a Christian if you're not. Don't deceive yourself into saying, I'm growing in the Lord if you're not obeying what God says to you. You are not. Point number three, believe those bound by Satan can be freed by meeting Jesus. Those words will be there. You can continue copying them. That's Satan in our churches. Let's go to the second point to today, which is Satan in our homes. We'll see later on how to defeat him. The most important place where I think Satan takes his attack is in our homes. Look at verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And if you're there, you'll see that Peter's home probably was very close to the synagogue. The four disciples just as excited as the people. They saw Jesus. They had never seen him before. This is their first day really with him in ministry. So they go to this home and they go there for their normal Sabbath meal, which was right after, kind of like if you guys go to Quincy's or Ryan's or whatever, the Outback or wherever you're headed after lunch or, you know, whatever, Morrison's. They didn't have that. So they went to homes and they went there. And it's very important for us to realize that when you leave here this morning, you need to take Jesus with you. Don't leave him in church. Take him with you. So they take Jesus with them and they go into the home. Verse 30. And Simon, or Peter, Simon's mother-in-law, was in bed with a fever. 
Now, she was supposed to be preparing the Sabbath meal, but she's in bed with a fever. How many of you know if your mother-in-law is in the house and she's sick in bed with a fever and can't go to her own house, it's time for real prayer? <laughs> Simon's praying, man. Time for mom-in-law to go home. So, all joking aside, what it says there is this. Fever means, in the Greek, fire, burning. The book of Luke says, and he was a physician, a high fever. So, Peter's mom-in-law was sick. She couldn't prepare the dinner. She was sick in bed. The disciples were new to this. They had just seen Jesus deliver a man from a demon. What were they going to do now? Look what the end of that verse says. And they told Jesus about her. It's a very wise thing to do. When there's a need in your life, tell Jesus about it. Sometimes it's the very last thing we do. You know, they couldn't get down to Walgreens and get a script. There wasn't any. So they came to Jesus. There was sickness in that home. That home needed help. Satan today is attacking our homes like never before. Our marriages. Our families. He knows that the home was designed by God to be the basic unit of all society. So he has an all-out of war against our homes. He hates Christian marriages and families. Today he's done a pretty good job. Adultery, divorce, separated families, homosexuality, lesbianism, abortion, incest, you name it. He's destroying homes many Christian homes he's destroying. You see, maybe you're here today and your marriage is like Simon's mother-in-law. You feel helpless, hopeless. You've tried everything the world has to offer, all the psychology, and yet you're still sick. Look at verse 31. So Jesus went to her, he took her hand, he helped her up, and the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Luke says he actually rebuked the fever, the word of God again, and the touch of Jesus. Can you imagine eating around the dinner table then? Up, up, serving, putting that falafel out there and all those good things or whatever, and just fixing them all up and saying, man, I feel great! You know how a fever is to you, don't you? If you've been sick with a fever, when you get better, you're kind of, oh, I'm going to limp like a rake. She's up fixing dinner, man. Because see, here's another thing you'll see when we go through this. When Jesus touches somebody, he touches somebody. And she was up, whole, ready to go. It wasn't one of these things, well, let me see what the psychology is. Are you well or not? Well, I'm not sick and you're burning with 109 fever. You know, I'm not sick. I'm not accepting it. She was well. She got up and she served. The touch the powerful touch of Jesus. Because of the touch of Jesus, this home became, instead of a place of hurting, it became a place of health and joy and peace. Let me ask you this morning, in your home, in your family, is your home a place of joy and peace? Or would you define your home as a place of anger and turmoil and frustration? You'll never defeat 
Satan's plan to destroy your home unless you abide by the principles of the Word of God. Venus and Mars, all the other books, great, whatever. Unless you abide by this, your marriage will never be healthy. You need God's help. Let me give you six things quickly. You'll have to write like a whatever. How to defeat Satan in your home. Number one, take Jesus home with you today after church. Don't live your life, your daily life, without Jesus. Allow him to come and give you direction and bring peace. Secondly, husbands, are you the spiritual leader? See all the promise keeper thing, and I think it's great. But see, the truth of the promise keeper thing doesn't work on television in Washington. It works in your home. Bring the truths home. Allow God to help you work them out. Love God and love your wife. Thirdly, wives, love God and submit to your husband's loving leadership. Allow him to lead. Allow him to make mistakes. Give him the room to lead. Pray for him. Husbands and wives, number four, you should be equal partners. You should be a team. Number six, we have lots of single parents. Allow God to replace your spouse. Hey, there's hope for you. It can work. It works all the time. Don't be discouraged. Whatever's happens in the past, allow God to be your spouse. He'll be that mom and dad that you need. He'll be that husband. He'll be that wife. Allow him to do that until things change. Maybe they'll change. He'll bring you another person. But until then, allow God to be whatever. Single person says the same thing for you. Let him be everything in your life. And as you do that, you'll have peace in your life, in your home. The third thing we bring to this morning is Satan is not only against our church, he's not only against our home, he's certainly ruler of our world. Look at verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed and the whole town gathered at the door. And can you picture that? The world was in bondage. That whole area was filled with sin. Satan was just causing havoc in people's lives. They were there without hope. And it says that evening, at sunset, people in the town brought others to Jesus. Now, why did they wait till sunset? If you were Jewish, the law said you could do no work on the Sabbath. To carry a lame person on a stretcher is work. So they had to wait till the sun went down to bring those people to Jesus. Aren't you glad we don't live under the law today? So they came. You can imagine. Now we're getting out of the synagogue and we're in Peter's front door. And you hear this commotion, there's people everywhere. And they're lined up as far as your eye can see. Stretchers, hurting people, demon-possessed, whatever. Who brought these people? You did. You remember when you left the synagogue a few hours earlier? What were you saying? Wow, what a great service. Man, the power of God's real. I'm going home to tell my friends. They can, their life can change. This is, they need to meet this person, Jesus. And so that evening, they did good. They brought him back to meet Jesus. What an air of expectancy. Look what happens in that verse. And it says, And Jesus, verse 34, healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. How to defeat Satan in the world, in your world? Look at these two points. Number one, have hope for the hurting people. 
all over our world, your world this morning, are hurting people at work, at school, classrooms, soccer field, neighborhoods. Often we don't have enough faith to believe that God can touch these people. I'll give you a story quickly as we close. A true story from a pastor who is now a Calvary Chapel pastor. He was a pastor of a very large church and he went to conduct a home group, smaller home group meeting. That night he was there and the host of the meeting, their daughter, young girl, had been sick all weekend with fever. They couldn't get a hold of the doctor. So they got in the meeting and they were getting ready to start and one of the gals in the home group spoke up to the pastor and says, why don't we pray for this little girl? The pastor went, we should. I mean, I just didn't, I forgot to even do that. And he says, well, why don't you pray? She's a brand new Christian. So here's what she said. True story. Dear God, I don't, I've known you for long, but unless you heal this girl right now, I'm not going to believe in you anymore. <laughs> Pastor went. <laughs> and while she's praying this, he's going, that was a stupid thing to do. How am I going to talk about the sovereignty of God and God can only heal? I don't know what I'm going to do. And while he's thinking and struggling in his heart, out of the bedroom walks this little girl. And she comes up to her mom and she says, Mom, the fever's gone. And the pastor, being the man of God, said, Well, that can't be. <laughs> Literally, that's what he said. He said, Get the thermometer. Check this fever again. When I heard him tell the story, I went, It's funny. It's just like us, isn't it? Do you have enough faith to believe that God can do anything in anybody's life? Often we don't. If we would, you'd be bringing them here or to your home. You see, those people left that service. They went to their world. They brought those hurting people back to meet Jesus. By the way, you're not bringing them here to meet me. You're bringing them here to meet Jesus. By the way, they can meet Jesus just as well in your home or in the soccer field or any place. This is just a place where we teach the Word of God. Let me ask you, on that day, as that crowd came outside Peter's home, would you have been one that brought someone? Or would you have been the one sitting on your front porch and said, what's all the commotion? I think we'll just say, hey, Marge, let's go down and see what's happening there at Peter's house. Are you involved or a spectator? You see, the joy is carrying somebody to Jesus on a stretcher and walking home with them hand in hand after they met Jesus. The greatest bondage is not physical. It's of the heart. That's why Jesus didn't want the demons to say anything because he wasn't ready to announce his messiahship, but he also didn't want to be known as just the healer of man's bodies. He wanted to be known as the healer of man's souls. We read from the book of First John today. In it we found a wonderful exhortation. It said, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. So take that exhortation, believer. Let no one deceive you. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3114. And today's message was taken from the Gospel of Mark, and the title of today's message is The Battlefield of Life. Again, the message number is MB3114. The title of today's message is The Battlefield of Life. Or you can just remember today's date. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we'll be reminded of the importance of prayer in our lives. Understand that once we've received the free gift of salvation, our journey has just begun. That first confession and prayer is just the beginning. You see, we're to have daily conversations with God. We should desire to obey His voice and follow His commands. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 